Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Welcome to the Horrible Film School, a safe place to watch scary movies. Time for roll call. Professor Chris here with my fellow Horribles, Professor Hootie. What's going on, fellas? It is a very exciting day to travel down Elm Street. Always. And Professor Joseph. Good evening, gentlemen. Who's ready to step into the world of the infamous child molester? I mean, child murderer himself. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Today's assignment, 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street. The lesson. When flicking your bean in the bathtub... Make sure to keep your eyes open for homicidal dream demons. That is that is such a good point. I mean, that is a critical issue facing our country. You imagine flicking your bean with a fucking Freddy glove? I'm sure that's been done. I guess I could. I have one. Anyway, imagine, watch uh, this. <laughs> hey, Joey, watch this. Joey, I'm your boyfriend now. <laughs> All right, let me sign up this movie. In Wes Craven's classic slasher film, several Midwestern teenagers fall prey to Freddy Krueger, the Springwood slasher, who preys on teenagers in their dreams, which in turn, fellas, kills them in reality. After investigating the phenomenon, Nancy begins to suspect that a dark secret kept by her parents may be the key to unraveling the mystery. But can Nancy and her boyfriend Glenn solve the puzzle before it's too late? First up, written and directed by Wes Craven, the King of Horror, who also directed Scream and the People Under the Stairs. I got a note here that says Hootie's got a wet spot in the front of his pants for this guy, so I'm just going to let him roll and say whatever he wants about Wes Craven. It's definitely already there. I mean, you don't know who Wes Craven is. Just please look him up. Google Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes 1 and 2. But here's a little about Scream? Yeah, I said Scream. One, two, three, four, and the Scream's reboot. Scream's his best work. <clears throat> you made me sick. A little tidbit here on Mr. Craven. He didn't intend on being a horror director. He grew up in a very religious Baptist home and began his career as an adult film director under the name Abe Snake. Jesus. He was directing pornos? He was directing pornos, that is correct. That's my new he fucking not, username, Abe Snake. He did not perform in them. He just directed and acted a little bit, but not in the sexual way. You didn't <laughs> check out my first one, Nightmare on Cum Street. <laughs> All right, let's get into the first actress here, or actor. First up, Nancy Thompson, played by Heather Lincolnkamp, who was also in, very short list of credits here, fellas, A New Nightmare... And a ZZ Top music video. Nice. Was she in legs? Walk oh. this way. Talk <laughs> this way. ZZ Top. Then that happened. Dude, that's my favorite ZZ Top song. Yeah, you said she has a short uh, credit. Credit. Shockingly, role. yes, she does. Shockingly. Her first credit was uh, being featured in Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders, but she had her scenes cut. Um, you watch this movie, you can kind of see why. Uh, yeah, her, I could guess Her why. first credited role was actually this movie, where she's actually, you know, in the movie. Um, won an Academy Award for Best Eyebrows in a Feature Film. She owns and operates AFX Studios, a special effects studio company um, that has worked on several notable films, such as 2004's Dawn of the Dead, Cinderella Man, starring Russell Crowe, and a personal favorite of mine, although it's kind of divisive on uh, with us, the horrible film school guys, um, that would be Cabin in the Woods. Oh, that's a great movie. I love Cabin no, it's in not. the Woods. Good See, Lord. There we go. It's not. Sorry. This guy, Generic. who invited Stuart fucking Scott to the podcast tonight? Good God. Um, I just didn't get it, man. I didn't get it. <sighs> Cabin in the Woods is a stage. But it seems like Days Heather became a much better special effects artist than she was ever an actor. So, good on Heather. Yeah, she... Um, you guys, you like to talk her. She's actually not that bad in this movie. 
She's, she's not bad. great. I love She's not movie. great, but then again, it's a horror movie. You don't really find yeah, too but many people that are... Think about every other actor in this movie. She was the worst. And, I, and she's I the mean, main character. Every other actor in this movie, like who? Because Johnny Depp wasn't really anything special in this movie. I agree, hey, but Zoo, pick, Garcia, pick any other performance. Him. Pick any other performance. It's better than hers. Next up is Glenn Lance, played by Johnny Depp. Who was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape and Sleepy Hollow, to name a few. All right, so you you named a few. I'm going to name the rest. Here. You sure uh, Here we go. On purpose, Johnny I don't Depp know Johnny Depp. as Glenn Lance in this film, was also featured in a few other movies, um, such as Platoon, Crybaby, Edward Scissorhands, Ed Wood, Donnie Brasco, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, The Ninth Gate, Blow, 35 Pirates of the Caribbean movies, once Upon a Time in Mexico, Secret Window, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, Public Enemies, Alice in Wonderland, as well as Through the Looking Glass, Dark Shadows, The Lone Ranger, Into the Woods, Tusk. He was actually in Tusk. Did y'all know that? I never got around to that one. I actually like that movie. Shout out Kevin Smith. Shout out Kevin Smith. Um, if you haven't noticed by now, Tim Burton has a uh, still-beamed hard-on for Mr. Depp, so you can expect to see him starring in every one of his movies until the day one of them dies. Yeah, basically. I think he sees something like his ideal self in Johnny Depp. That's the only way to explain his fascination with him. Who's the woman that's always in those movies, too? Helena Bottom Carter is married to Tim Burton. For the longest time, no, she's not. For the longest time, I thought they were married, and he just liked to be cucked by Johnny Depp. Because Johnny Depp is always fucking Helen Bottom Carter, whatever her name is. He's lucky. That's Marla Singer. Yeah, she's not bad. From Fight Club. She does have this like heroin chic look. She's on the poster right behind my computer as we speak. Hootie just can't place her in his head because he's a fucking stooge. No, I'm waiting for y'all to stop talking about fucking Johnny Depp and Tim Burton so I can continue the goddamn podcast. All right, tease and peace, tease and peace. Sounds like somebody's jealous of Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, tease and peace so to that jealous. jealousy, man. We're moving on. So jealous that this guy got this role because... Wes Craven's daughter found him absolutely dreamy. Yeah, who wouldn't? That's how we He's got fucking here. Johnny Depp. What you should watch. Check out that Crybaby movie. It's one of those John Waters oh my God, dude. musicals. So John, John Waters is fucking insane. You need you need to watch this shit. I I would never have seen it had it not been for my mom and my sister. Oh, but yeah. uh, that movie is like actually pretty good. If you if you like musicals, watch it. Next up, Tina Gray, played by Amanda Weiss, who was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Silverado. Yep, she was. Yep. <laughs> Good job by you, Tina. <laughs> Holy shit. We both read IMDb on that one. <laughs> Next up, Rod Lane, played by Jesus Garcia who was in Collateral Damage, and We Were Soldiers, a Mel Gibson vehicle. Yes. Did you read up on this guy at all? I did not, other than the fact he was in We Were Soldiers, a Mel Gibson vehicle. Are you getting paid to fucking advertise this? In this movie, he's cast, um, I think his name, or his name he goes by is Nick Corey in this movie. Um, But as you said, his real name is Zoo Garcia. He was in Predator 2 as well as Vampire in Brooklyn, um, to add to what Hootie's already said. He's also Vampire an ordained, in Brooklyn, directed by Wes Craven. Directed by Wes Craven. He is also an ordained minister in the movement of spiritual inner awareness, founded by a guy named John Roger. Um, this guy probably has one of the most interesting life stories of any of these actors I've come across through this podcast. Um, I won't go into detail, but I think it's definitely worth it to... Uh, to YouTube or Wiki the guy's name and check out his life's journey. It's pretty interesting. Cool. He should definitely look into being Ralph Macchio's stunt double in any work he can find. Let's let's just talk about Marge Thompson, played by Ronnie Blakely, who you may know, or probably wouldn't know, from Wilbur and the Baby Factory and Nashville. Is the Baby Factory one of those movies that Wes Craven directed as an adult film star? <laughs> I don't believe so, but it was made in 73, so possibly. 
even though she is hamming it up being drunk in this film, which is at points really hard to watch, it's she big. actually was nominated for an Academy Award for her role in Nashville. Oh, I thought he was going to say in this. What Don't be so shocked, fuck? Chris. <laughs> so she probably played this the country singer in Nashville, if I had to guess. It's a Did Robert you? Altman film I watched for the first time a couple years back. He is a very uh, unique director. It's like a three-hour-long movie where every character has like 10 minutes of screen time. It's like 40 characters in the movie. It's, it's bananas. Jesus. Next up, Lieutenant Thompson, played by the... John Saxon, who was in Black Christmas and Enter the Dragon. Enter the fucking dragon. Apparently this guy had a uh, mandate in his like acting contract to play the uh, police role in every uh, horror movie in the 80s. Um, he was also in, in uh, From Dust Till Dawn, and like Hootie said, he starred in uh, Black Christmas uh, from 1974. Considered one of the uh, earliest slasher films of all time. Um, definitely like a, uh, in retrospect, a really, really good movie. Although at the time it gets, it received mixed reviews. This is definitely a movie I wish we could, we could one, uh, one Christmas maybe, uh, take a shot at as it's, uh. Slide it all in there. Slide, slide it on in there. Slide it in there. A little note on Mr. John Saxon. He became a mentor and lifelong friend to Heather Lankenkamp. And upon his death at the age of 83, his ashes were buried at Lakeview Cemetery in Seattle, near Bruce Lee and Brandon Lee. So, last but not least, the man of the hour, the man with that golden glove, the guy we all came to see, Freddy Krueger, played by Robert England, whose credits will leave you... Pretty silent. Uh, he was in Wishmaster and Zombie Strippers, to name a few of those great credits. Robert Englund, because it's a U, apparently, Lund. not Dave for some reason. A pretentious fuck. Well, he'll play a character <laughs> named Victor Creel in the upcoming season of Stranger Things. Um, uh-huh. Here's some crazy shit I learned about Mr. Englund. He was one of the backup vocalists for 1994's Can You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton I got the same note! Yeah! So, technically, Freddy Krueger is in The Lion King. Mm. So, right when Simba's just going to town. Not to, not to steal your note or anything. That's Robert England in the background serenading us. Something neat to throw in there. Mm, some lion fucking. So, next time you're playing Candy for the Love Tonight when you're laying down with your partner and trying to get it in, just think of Freddy Krueger. Can you feel the love tonight, bitch? <laughs> and some of them, some of them might actually like that. Uh, so, in order to get the role of Freddy Krueger, Mister England went into the audition room and had mixed cigarette butts and water to rub under his eyes to make them sunken in, and then greased his hair back with the oil from his dipstick in his cart. Keep his dipstick in the car. Keep mine in my pants. Hey. hey and apparent, apparently he like stared at Wes Craven without blinking for an uncomfortable amount of time. It's one of those things you stare at him until he gives you the fucking part. <laughs> huh? Don't, huh? Okay. Uh, Mr. England, can you just leave now? You're just fucking staring at him. Stay awake, Wes. Wes, watch this. I got a couple of credits as well, special little shout-outs. Not really anybody featured prominently in the movie, but uh, Lynn Shea as the teacher. Um, She's been in a ton of shit, but to Mm -hmm. me, and I do mean uh, a ton of shit, credited over 200 times as an actor. But to me, she will always be the landlady in my favorite sports movie of all time, Kingpin. King I got pan. a little snip. I got a sn- little snipper here for you guys. In the fucking rearview mirror. <laughs> oh my little Roy toy, what is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? Really jarred something loose there, Tiger. <laughs> she she's she's been in a lot of shit. Like I did not realize she was ever in like in over two hundred movies. Yeah, she was like in the Conjuring franchise too, right? Yeah, she was in that. Um, 
or was it Insidious? She, Sorry. I think she's some sort of a relation to the actual producer of, of this movie because his last name is Shea as well, like Robert Shea or something. I'm, I'm not I'm sure. Mm. That is a true blue-collar actor. Yeah, maybe it's happenstance. Who knows? But I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Charles Bernstein. Um, he was the uh, composer for the film. Uh, maybe not as well known as John Carpenter, but undeniably just as talented. Uh, Mr. Bernstein's work on this movie is superb and brings a sense of dread and suspense to any scene that he touches. I feel like among horror fans, um, the nightmare theme is just as recognizable as that of Halloween. This film takes place in Springwood, Ohio, which could have been pulled off, except multiple scenes do have palm trees. And I hate to break it to you, there's no palm trees in in Ohio. Fucking Ohio. So to get into the look of Freddy Krueger himself, a few things I found that was very interesting. Wes Craven's vision of Freddy Krueger came from a childhood memory. When he was 10 years old, he looked out the window at the apartment he lived in, and a drunk man, dressed similarly to Freddy Krueger, was looking directly at him and continued to stay there, staring at the window for several minutes. This scared him, so later on, he decided this will be the look for Freddy. And one more bit on Freddy Krueger. Uh, Craven named his on-screen horror creation for a boy who used to bully him in high school. That lucky bastard. Wherever Freddy Krueger is, if he's still alive, you know. It's a cool last name. As for the glove, the infamous glove, it was created by the mechanical special effects designer Jim Doyle, who took a basic idea that Wes Craven had that was basically around long fingernails and constructed the glove that we know today. They used one glove that was extremely sharp for their effect scenes, which actually cut Robert England several times, and then another very dull version to obviously work with actors. So was the original concept just fingernails, and then the effects guy gave it an actual glove? So what I'm picking up on is Wes Craven had in the script was that the killer was going to have just long fingernails. But oh, apparently Wes Craven just didn't like the, I, that idea. So then he went to this guy and was like, how can we make this better? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Def- that was a, a huge improvement. Idea. Yeah, huge improvement. The budget was $1.1 and it made back $57 million at the box office. Now you can see why we have uh, nine sequels. They actually signed Robert Englund to uh, several movies because they banked on this being a franchise. So the distributor and producer of this film was a struggling new company called New Line Cinema who betted everything they had on Wes Craven and his dream demon, Freddy Krueger. Due to the incredible success, New Line was able to make movies for decades to come that included Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Dumb and Dumber, and the Lord of the Rings series. Hence, New Line Cinema became known as the house that Freddy built. Apparently, Wes Craven uh, came up with the idea for Nightmare on Elm Street um, based off of a story he read about an Asian boy who would refuse to sleep and wouldn't sleep. And after a Cambodians. while, so- suddenly died uh, in his sleep or in their sleep, right? Some people say it was about a, a young man, and some people say it was about uh, some refugees who couldn't sleep either. Either way, it was people dying from lack of sleep, refusing to sleep. Hey, Nancy. No running in the hallway. The opening of the film takes us to the origin of Freddy Krueger as he assembles his glove in the boiler room. He's walking around making like the weirdest little giggles and shit. So is this like pre-Freddy dying? Or is this happening in a dream sequence? This is, I think this is before he even starts murdering people. Because he hasn't created his glove yet. Like he's, This is just the creation of his glove. But, uh, as he breathes really heavily as well. You, you're watching him take these shitty little knives. 
Imagine if he made these, like, if he made this glove with, like, made in China knives. It would have fucking bent, bent and broke within the first act. Did you order this shit from Amazon, Freddy? What is this? Considering that glove lasted for, like, six movies, I mean, pretty, quality, pretty good craftsmanship. Dude. That was, like, Pittsburgh steel. I thought it was cool during the credit sequence. He was billed as Fred Krueger. That sounds so much scarier than Freddy Krueger. We then see a young girl named Tina running down a long and wet hallway that leads her to the boiler room. Freddy torments her before she finally wakes up from her nightmare with a cut in her dress. Freddy can hurt you in the real world. What is it with people when they wake up from their nightmares and the parents are there instantaneously? Well, she's screaming in her sleep, so it's one of those things of... She, like, yeah. jolted up, and the mom's like... Glad, glad that oh, she grew up going in a household where children are screaming and moms are just hanging out in the fucking living room. <laughs> mom's got to, like, put out the cigarette. She's got to go <laughs> to the fridge and make sure everything's good. Well, first of all, we know the mom's already up because she's, like, a whore or something, and she's banging one of her johns. Because the john, like, pops <laughs> Is that what she picked up like, on in this Are movie? you coming back to bed or what? I, I, I just got the impression it was a shitty I paid for 25 minutes. I still got 20 minutes left. <laughs> That's the impression I got. So she was oh, already up. She heard the, she heard the screaming. Dive. She know I wasn't her screaming. So, uh, gotta be my daughter. Yeah, dude was fucking gross. Didn't he have a wife beater on? Do they still call him wife beaters? Is that, is that, is that yeah. PG? Yeah, it's okay. PG. It's good. I think that's just like good. Some, some white trash shit. It hasn't got canceled yet. We're good. Hold on it's now. coming. Don't you worry. Uh, so on the way to school the next day with Nancy and Glenn, a group of young girls are jumping rope and repeating the Freddy Krueger rhyme of one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab that trusty crucifix. Seven, eight, stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. That was about the most half-ass attempt. You didn't even fucking sing it. You sorry son of a bitch. Well, I didn't know I was on audition here. I was just reading. I mean, you're not on audition, but you're reading it like it's a a poem. Here we go. Go. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, better stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. I got a question about this song. What the fuck is the deal with the crucifix? Yeah, it was just so they can have the actual crucifix in the movie. Because it rhymes with six? Yeah. <laughs> is that the only reason it's in there? <laughs> Everything it's else makes mix. sense. The rest of the advice makes sense, but does the cross ever come into play? Can you use it against them? He knocked it off the wall. Yeah. Five, He's like, Fuck it. five six, stab him in the dick. In the dicks, you know, he's got multiple. Yeah, man, it's fine. I get it. It's a good chant. I can still sing it's, it. Uh, yes, Having not watched the movie for 10 years, I could still sing it. So it's good. This was also probably one of my favorite shots in the movie, too. Because it starts like this dreamy sequence. There's like a haze over these girls doing the jump rope. And then we like we have a pan and it goes to like a normal unfiltered shot and it's all one shot. You get the teenagers pulling up in the car, they get out of the car, we follow them, all one shot still, and we get to the point where those kids would be in the background and they're gone. It's fucking perfect. It goes from like dream to real life all at one shot. That was one of Wes Craven's uh, notes was he never wanted the audience to know when they were in and out of a dream sequence. Our gang of three goes to hang out at Tina's parents' house while they are gone, and Nancy tells Tina about her strange dreams that include a man in a dirty Christmas sweater with knives for fingers. I can't be as bad as she is, but I'm fucking trying. Knives for fingers? <laughs> you, uh, you skipped over our introduction to Rod as well. Oh, fucking rods and dickhead. You do like this Garcia yeah, bastard. They're talking, they're talking about, oh, I had a scary dream last night. And then Nancy's like, yeah, me too. Ron, Rod walks up. He says, I woke up with a hard dick. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, it's, yeah. it's got your name on it, Tina. And then she fucking ducks his ass. Yeah, you can't fit Tina on that little dick. How are you going to get four letters on that little prick? 
Uh, yeah, Rod's a fucking dickhead. Dude, Rod's a But fucking it fucking man. works, man. It does work. So, to that point, Tina's doofus boyfriend, Rod, comes over and asks if they are having an orgy. This dude literally goes, what, you having an orgy or something? <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, uh, yo, about you late for the orgy or what? Has, <laughs> has Glenn busted yet or what? So Rod then takes Tina to her parents' bedroom because that's that's hot. Nothing like your parents' bedroom. He even highlighted the fact he said, "We got a mom's bed. You can have the rest of the you fucking can have house." The rest of the house, fucking every room, dude. God, man, gave me the creeps, man. Jesus, fucking a mm. pussy on the couch, fucking a butt in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but then you treat so, her like a lady in the bathroom. After some passionate sex, Shit, Tina and Rod. You call that? Well, I was screaming a lot, and I'm assuming well, yeah, was Yeah, what the hell is up with all the fucking screaming? Were they squirting lemon juice in each other's eyes? And stuff? <laughs> Jesus had, Christ, they were screaming. You know Johnny uh, or Glenn had an erection downstairs. There's no way he didn't just start beating that thing on the couch. down there dry-humping that bowl of fucking chips they had downstairs. Oh, yeah. So Tina and Rod fall asleep after all that screaming. Tina wakes up to rocks being thrown at her window and hearing someone call her name. Tina. <gasps> because, okay, okay, fellas, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear somebody outside, you know, saying Joey or Chris, is your first instinct to go outside with no pants on and go find <laughs> out who is saying your name? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I guess it depends on the tone. Because that's so what like Tina the seductiveness does. seductiveness to it. Like, well, shit, hey, they just broke Joey. my fucking window with one of them rocks. I got to see who done that. I got to get some, some cash at this person. But yeah, her stepping out, she, man, she's got she's got my look. She's got the button-up shirt, nothing else. Just the, mm. Dude, I'm, I'm fucking saying, I got, I got a note in here as well. It's like, what is it about the 80s girls wearing only these button-up shirts after they get out of the bed that's so fucking hot? I cannot tell you. But it's been implanted in my brain since I was like six. She is missing those uh, knee-high socks that was in Halloween. Yeah, that was the only the only she thing I was missing as, there. But. As long as like there ain't anything, you know, up under the shirt, it's good. We can put those in in post production. <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, man, she's got the look. There it is. So meanwhile, Nancy is also being disturbed in her sleep. And we see the famous shot of Freddy coming through the wall above her. Yeah, the wall is seen. One of the best practical effects in the history of horror. Uh, this scene. Um, possibly the history of films in general. Or maybe not the best. I'd say one of the most recognizable. Yeah, if Iconic. you see that, you know it's Freddy. Iconic, yeah, that's a good word for it. So was it superimposed, or was there like two images there, or was there like literally was she laying in a room oh, it's, it's with like, like a, rubber, a dummy wall like a behind her? Dummy wall, yeah. So it was wall. all like one, one set piece. So as we have talked about, Tina decides to go outside to see who's calling her name in this extremely dark street with nothing on but a t-shirt, Oof. and she sees Freddy Krueger walking down the alley with his arms scraping against the alley walls. Not just scraping against the other walls, but really fucking long um, arms. It's so funny that you have you have the wall scene, and then the next second you have this stupid ass long arm scene as well in the same movie. We're gonna get to it my my actual like review wrap up, uh, but yeah, it's, it's so weird how they go from being oh man, it's totally awesome to this looks like a fucking joke. Yeah, the arms are kind of hard to look at sometimes. Well, I mean, it is a dream sequence, too. So a lot of this you can kind of dismiss as like that uncanny valley, you know, when shit looks like not quite real. But yeah, I thought during this sequence, just the way she reacts to Freddy is, my question became, should Tina have been the protagonist? Because she seemed to be a much better actress. Oh, she's all this much shit. better. This like, is incredibly better. Yeah, <laughs> like I felt like she better. should have been the main character. Oh, she is so much better than Nancy. I don't think Nancy's that bad of an actress in this movie. However, compared to fucking Tina, yeah. She exactly. Is. By comparison, it's just she should have been in the entire movie, in my opinion. And she had the Marion Crane haircut, the whole psycho reference going on, too. Yeah. But I think this is the whole start of, you know, Wes Craven's 
red herrings that he likes to throw in right there at the beginning of the movies. Uh, I can see this being breadcrumbs for the Drew Barrymore. Pretty much. Getting axed in the first scene of Scream. I can see it. Yeah, that's what I would equate it to. So, Freddy then chases Tina down the alley before showing her his cool trick of cutting off his own fingers with his blades. He's like, fucking Hey, Hootie. He says, watch this shit. Watch this. He fucking fucking chopped him off. And he keeps looking like between her and his fucking finger. He looks like back and forth three or four times. <laughs> Can you believe I did this shit? Is this cool? So Freddy grabs her and Rod wakes up in the bedroom to see Tina being dragged all over the room from the floor to the ceiling as she is being murdered by Freddy. Yeah, the, the scene where he rips the sheet off of her and like her shirt busts open. Unfortunately, we don't get any tits. But, like, the cut down her chest and then the wiggling in the air and then the fucking dragon across the ceiling, that's, uh, in my opinion, another iconic scene. Um, I guess you would call it wall writhing. Definitely one of the greatest in the history of horror. Yeah, this is my my favorite scene in the whole movie. Her, Her thrashing in the air when she first gets suspended. It's just fucking amazing stuff. Joey's now said two of these scenes are somewhere up there with the... Best scenes in horror history. I'm thinking oh, it's yeah, my Joyce's favorite movie. Definitely, I 100% stand by that. I mean, those are iconic, to borrow Chris's word. So after Tina is violently murdered, we then are introduced to Lieutenant Thompson, Nancy's dad, and her mother, Marge. They're at the police station, and the lieutenant wants answers to why a girl was murdered. And we get some horrendous fucking acting by Nancy as she cries. Yeah, I wrote this line down because it was so fucking awful. Give it to me, yes. Ron is not a lunatic, Dad. It was the first time she was actually giving something of substance. And I was like, oh, fuck. This is going to be a long hour and a half. She tried. She tried her best. The next morning, Nancy is pounding coffee and kisses her mother on the lips before heading off to school. I'm sorry. That just is weird to me. They're two grown-ass <laughs> women. What's <laughs> wrong with love, man? All this hate point, and violence and thrashing what, and anger. At what loves point do you stop? Okay, go kiss your mom right on the lips, Chris. Tell me it's normal right now. Let's, let's yeah, do but it. she's playing like a 16-year-old in this movie. On her way to school, Rod jumps out of the bushes. And Lieutenant Thompson uses this as an opportunity to use Nancy as bait and bring Rod in for the murder of Tina. It's just such a weird scene. Um, it, it feels like something was cut out of this scene. Um, the way it was set up. There's just way too many people in it. You know what I mean? Like, one second, she's being drugged into the bushes by Rod. Rod. Um, and then her dad pops out of another bush with a fucking gun. It's a lot of bush right popping. It's like, what's yeah. cool? why is everybody hiding in the bushes in the scene? It seemed like he was like in a hedge, like he pulled her like straight into like a hedge, but then it cuts and they're like halfway down a hill and there's like no coverage around him. I was like, eh, okay. Yeah. That was obviously two I, different locations. I mean, I guess she was being used, like you said, she was being used as bait or something. But, but like Wes Craven put the breadcrumb in there. Is this a dream or not, man? You can't argue with the rules if you don't know what's really fucking happening. This could be part isn't, of the dream. Isn't that kind of a cop-out, though? It's a dream. Everything's a cop-out in a dream, isn't it? I think it's a built-in cop-out. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's, it's not a real explanation, but it's something you can't argue against, you know? So, Nancy falls asleep at school and sees Tina in a body bag being dragged by her feet down the hallway. Nancy goes to check it out and finds herself going into the school's boiler room. She then comes face to face with Freddy himself as he cuts his stomach open to show it is full of maggots. It's so weird how his like chest isn't burnt like his hands and face are. Um, yeah, but the school scene and subsequently the, the hall scene are my favorite in the movie. Um, the image of Tina in a body bag being drugged by her feet by some in- invisible force. That scene scared the shit out of me as a kid. That's good shit. And then we got one of the better quotes from Freddy in this movie as he plays a hall monitor. Don't forget your hall pass. Again, more of Tina. Tina's stunt work being just fucking awesome. It's not even about the murder with this guy, which kind of makes him interesting. It's just about just fucking with you. Look at this shit. 
Not even like he's feeding on your fear or it makes him stronger. Nah, we just fuck with this person. Nancy wakes up in the classroom screaming and freaking out. So she decides it's best to probably go home for the day. Nancy then takes a bath while for some reason singing the Freddy nursery rhyme as she falls asleep. The crotch shot trademark. I still don't understand why she was singing that song, but... Oh well. I don't understand why she's got a fucking floaty in her in her fucking bathtub. A floaty? What you have like a rubber duck she's or something? She's got shit? like a floaty, like a fucking a thing you lay on <laughs> a, in a goddamn swimming pool. I did not figure out uh, that. Baby's this head, fucking tub, man. Her head is laid up on some floating device. That's some bullshit. Oh, it's a yeah, common yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's like 80s, a it's man. like a headrest while you take it's a pool bath. noodle. <laughs> yeah, I've been there to take a noodle. bath. I ain't there to fucking <laughs> Fucking, fucking marinate like a goddamn piece of steak. <laughs> Wash your fucking ass and get out of there. So then, while Nancy falls asleep, Freddy's glove comes up out of the water and pulls her under. Luckily, her drunk mother comes in to help her wake up. Nancy, what the fuck are you doing there? He pulls a trump and grabs her by the pussy. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did, actually. Representing the red states. Appreciate that. Oh, Freddy. Die hard trumper. So, I have to say here, you know, this is a very revealing show that we have, fellas, that when I was a kid, you know, you're a kid. Jacking off to this fucking scene, dude? Okay. Y'all went way... Well, y'all went way out of the left field. Jacking off to Nancy in the fucking bathtub, Um, bath water drinking I used to take baths, and you get the bubble baths in there. Smells like bubble gum and shit. And I used to be terrified that Freddy Krueger was going to pop out of the damn uh, sink, uh, the, the, the little drain hole. And grab terrified. you by the pussy and pull you. Yeah, God, grab him right man. by the pussy. Oh. <laughs> so your little butthole was just clenched up the whole time you were in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, Bob's trying to wash me. You know, in there. Roll over, Ryan. Please, please, Mr. Kruger, don't grab my little dick and balls. <laughs> I'm not laying on my stomach in here. Why would you take, why at that point didn't you switch to showers? I don't know. I just remember. I have. I have a memory of like being. How fucking terrified. old were you when you saw this? Oh God, five, six. My brother Jeez. showed me like everything possible at a very young yeah. age. It was probably in the same boat, honestly. Love him to death. Yeah, Love but I wasn't no fucking pussy. Well, yeah, I true. was. I was. I was afraid of getting mine snatched off. I need anyway. Mister Squiggles, otherwise he's gonna tear off my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> so Nancy informs Glenn that he'll be watching her sleep in order to do a little research on her strange dream partner. Because that's normal. Did you happen to uh, notice what movie was playing on her little television during this I scene? I did. Hootie didn't. It's the, if that's Hootie funny. doesn't, then I'm going to be funny because Hootie should know. I actually skipped over my note because it says to stay awake, Nancy decides to watch Evil Dead. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I thought I'm going back to her right before she got ready for bed or whatever. Her mom offers her warm milk. That shit'll push you to sleep faster than anything. And then she says she has to go put on her pajamas. This girl's like a fucking high schooler, right? Yeah, Kissing her mother on the lips, Chris. She has the same bedtime routine as my three-year-old. What the fuck, man? In her dream, Nancy makes her way to the town jail to see Freddy messing with Rod in his cell. She then runs home due to Freddy chasing her the entire way and walks up her melting steps in her parents' house. This is a pretty cool fucking scene, too. I uh, really enjoy this one. What is that? It looks like marshmallow fluff. So, okay, I watched two documentaries before we did this podcast. One, Wes Craven hated this scene. The producer really? at New Line Cinemas made him put this scene in the movie. The walking upstairs part? Yes. Huh. And of the people who were on set that day... One person says it was pancake batter, and one person says it was oatmeal. Yeah, it was Both mm. edible. Both edible products. I don't think that was oatmeal. So do you know why Wes Craven disliked this scene? He just didn't like it. He thought that it was stupid. He thought that it, he, and he thought that the effect didn't work. He had the long cheesy. arm scene. He liked that dumb shit, but he doesn't like this. The he only thing pancakes. I'll say about this scene is the way the staircases appear before oh. she steps on them. Oh, you can yeah, see, yeah, you can see it. Yeah, It kind of telegraphs the stunt. That kind of takes me out of that one. Yeah. That's why I prefer the earlier stuff with Tina, I think. See? Thank you, Wes Craven. I think me and Wes had the same eye for these things. 
Glenn falls asleep. Shocker. This allows Freddie to tussle with Nancy in the bed before waking up to her own alarm clock. Nancy and then Glenn run to the jail in order to see Rod, who has fallen victim to Freddie by way of being hanged in his sleep. So this is like, obviously, he's staging a suicide, right? That's what the... That was Freddie's intention. Yeah, Freddie's a crafty dude. He can, yeah, he can so like how... I guess my question here is how aware is he of real-world events? Oh, I don't think he gives a shit about that. Yeah, but he knew to stage this kid's death to appear like a suicide. Because he knew he was in the room with the girl at the time when she died. Now, now we're falling down the rabbit hole of Freddy Krueger because as we learn in the sequels, Freddy gets his power from fear. So if you hang this guy... Nobody knows what's going on. People get anxious. People get scared. And that just fuels the fire that is Freddy Krueger. Which is one of those things I think, I don't think he really gives a shit. But at the same time, the parents and all the adults, they don't believe it's Freddy or any sort of um, outside force causing all these deaths. And he's locked in a jail cell. There's only about only one way he can go. But Freddy could slash him, I guess, is my point. He didn't go, like, straight gruesome where the cops would be like, obviously someone did this to him. Yeah, yeah. He made it ambiguous for a reason, in my opinion. And, like, who do you saying? If it's true that's what they were building with the cannon, then he's just trying to cause hysteria amongst everybody in town to make it easier to prey on these kids. So, it turns out this Ron fella was loved by everyone because they all go to his funeral. Peace and peace. There are palm trees in the background in Ohio. Lieutenant Thompson asks his daughter Nancy who killed Tina, and she explains that it was a man who was badly burned, wearing a funny hat, with a dirty Christmas sweater and knives for fingers. Marge takes Nancy to a psychiatric institute, as you would if you were the mother, in order to do some testing. The doctor puts her to sleep in order to study her while she dreams. Nancy freaks out during this in her dream and wakes up to a deep cut on her arm while holding the hat of Freddy Krueger. The doctor guy in this scene actually has like some pretty cool dialogue about the uh, about dreams, you know, and, and how we don't really know how they manifest and that was cool. you know what's going on with them. I wish I could get like a TED talk by that doctor. Just just about dreams. So back at home, Marge is trying to hide her bottle of that sweet, sweet vodka from Nancy as she explains to her mother who exactly is after her in her dreams. She tells her mother that maybe she would be able to forget everything if she just did what her mother does and get all good loaded. Mm. To that, she gets a fucking smack. And uh, Marge's drink of choice is actually gin. Is that what it is? I, I, I couldn't figure it out. One of the bottles said it on there, and I made a note of it. Because you see about nine of the same bottle. Because she has them yeah. like, hid in like the hamper, uh, <laughs> trash can, got one in the microwave. She's got them hid all over the fucking house. The mailbox. <laughs> Nancy's mother, Marge, then begins to tell her the story of Fred Krueger. That he was a filthy child murderer who killed at least 20 kids in the neighborhood. Kruger got off on all the charges due to a faulty search warrant. Then the townspeople took it upon themselves to burn Fred Kruger alive. And, because you do, as a normal adult who kisses your child on the lips, Marge keeps Kruger's knives in the family's furnace. <laughs> just just in fucking case. In case what? I don't know. It's a lot of, a lot of strange things about Marge. So she, she just, here's another, this is probably my last logic question here. So the, he killed 20 kids in this neighborhood. So we're saying, what constitutes a neighborhood? Like a couple of streets? Like how the fuck did this happen recently? And these kids are completely unaware of it. Well, she even specifically says us parents. So she was a parent already at the time. So Nancy was already alive when this happened. Yeah. So let's say it's been maybe 16 years since this happened. And these fucking kids... Especially high school kids would have then turned this to an urban legend that they would all be aware of by now. I don't know. I think if you think about it from a world without cell phones and no internet and a small town, there's a possibility there, I think. 
I mean, she was drunk at her fucking mind. I about to say, yeah. first of all, this is from the perspective of an alcoholic. True. Okay. Well, that's the like only other logic question she, I have. Just Fred Kruger got killed 20 into, kids in the fucking basement last week. She reaches into the <laughs> furnace and pulls out a bottle of gin and takes a fucking swig, puts it back in there, and gets the fucking glove out. Mm. Nice and warm. <laughs> oh, there's another bottle down here. Oh, I forgot where I put that. Nancy and Glenn make a plan to pull Freddy out of the dream world. Nancy pulls a coffee maker out from under her bed that is on and has a fresh pot of coffee brewed in it. <laughs> Marge takes Marge is up there checking on it. She takes like five uh, coffee cups and a coffee pot out of the room. Nancy pops up and fucking grabs her, her backup coffee maker as well as her mug she kept under her pillow. Man, this girl fucking loves coffee. It's a hell of a Starbucks commercial. I feel like New Line really, really missed an uh, advertisement spot for Maxwell House or Folgers. Whoever wanted it right here. Kruger's. The best part of never waking up is Freddy in your cup. In your butt. I would have bought coffee. In your butt. The phone rings in Nancy's room, and she hears Freddy say that he is her boyfriend now before sticking his tongue into her mouth. Me boyfriend now, bitch. Nancy realizes that Glenn is in trouble and tries to leave the house. However, her mother has locked everything up and is completely fucking wasted on the couch. It's locked, bitch, and I swallowed the key. Good luck getting out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Glenn is being sucked into his own bed and with his TV and comforter before a river of blood floods the room just as his mother walks in the door. Shit, if the TV, his comforter, his pillows, his body, his fucking record player, all that <laughs> shit got sucked in there. Yeah, the bed sucking seems good. Fucking blood geyser, man. Where does Johnny Tip keep all that blood? His big ass dick? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You can get all five letters on it. was with Nancy. All five letters on his dick. Get her last name on there, too. Got her social security <laughs> number, all kinds of shit. <laughs> I thought it was cool he was listening, whatever he was listening to when he's dozing off. It's station KRGR. Just, you know, they say like you put a laptop on your lap, you're going to like destroy your balls, right? This motherfucker had a fucking TV on his dick. <laughs> he had a fucking tube television. I was like, how could you even beat off watching something on that? <laughs> I think he had to weigh 50 pounds. So the paramedics arrive. And the cop on the scene tells them that they don't need a stretcher. They need a mop. You gonna need a mop. That's a great line. Don't you love playful cops at a scene of a child murder? <laughs> Nancy realizes that it is on her to bring Freddie out of her dreams because she is the only one still alive. So she set several Home Alone traps around the house. Did you know she dressed like Tina as well? At this point, oh yeah, put on the button-up shirt. Trust me, I, I, I talked about it earlier. I uh, oh. definitely pay attention to this scene. When she's getting dressed, cause you're a fucking she pervert. She had them fucking side side boobs, bro. Oh. She was stacked. I like a good side boob. Sideboobs.com. Stacked, but uh, it's probably what the fuck does Nancy get all this Scooby-Doo Home Alone booby trap shit? She has like a sledgehammer, some fucking shotgun shells, a trip wire. I think she forgot the micro machines. All the micro machines. That's got the classic pull. Her boozed up mom, you know, love QVC and all the all those channels. Yeah, but where do they sell shit. shotgun shells? I don't know. There's probably Bassmaster QVC versions. Yeah. Well, all these middle class fucking kids have like portable TVs, fucking portable coffee makers and shit. So there's just no, there's just never ending electronics in these fucking houses. Well, she didn't have a fucking portable coffee maker that motherfucker's plugged into an outlet <laughs> plugged in and worked shit had a fucking plug and everything it was burned a hole in a damn dresser Nancy falls asleep then begins to make her way into the boiler room yelling out to tell Kruger that she's ready for him what are you waiting for Freddy huh what are you waiting for Nancy then finds the bloody headphones that Glenn had on before he died just as Freddy shows up to terrorize her. Her alarm goes off and she wakes up. Freddy is in the room with her in the real world. 
Nancy's Home Alone traps actually work as Freddy begins to fall for each one of them as he chases <laughs> Nancy all over the house. Straight up fucking Daniel Stern. Fucking sledgehammer falls down and hits him in the balls. My balls! Oh, goddamn. Nancy finishes Freddy off by lighting him on fire in the basement and leaving him to burn. Oh, my God. How bad did that shit look? That dude was a lot heftier than Robert England. Oh, he was a fat you dude say that. Me. So, apparently, this guy was like the pyromaniac in Hollywood at the time and like loved getting uh, set on fire. It was like the guy you called for those kind of scenes. That scene only required him to walk across the basement and like stop at the stairs. But it was the actor's decision to keep walking up the steps and then fall back down the steps while on fire. I have a piece of dialogue here from upstairs before we make it downstairs. At one point when she turns to face Freddy and they're like a few feet away from each other, they're like dancing around a coffee table or some shit. She says, can you catch me, Freddy? And it's some of the worst fucking delivery I've heard in anything we've seen. Lieutenant Thompson runs over to check on his daughter, and she leads him upstairs to find Freddy killing her mother Marge by sitting on her while he is on fire. <laughs> yeah, I had a question. What the fuck happened to mom exactly here? She's a fucking roasted-ass scaling pit, bro. <laughs> She's a marshmallow. <laughs> but she, like, melts. This is yeah. in the real world, right? She melts so- and she, she throws up deuces on the way down, bro. I, again, Wes doesn't want you to really know what the real and what isn't, so oh, we're that's still true. As we'll see, As we'll see with the ending. I feel like at this point it was one of those things of, all right, we're not sure if this is going to sprout into a franchise or not. We need to leave it. Kind of anything could happen, so let's just say it could be a dream or it could not be a dream. The lieutenant is too late, however, because Marge is burnt to a crisp. He leaves the room in order to let Nancy have some alone time with Freddy. We learn that this whole thing has been a dream, and Freddy is defeated, supposedly. Nancy walks outside to see the bright day with her mother beside her. You kind of glazed over on how she defeated Freddy once and for all. How did she defeat him, Chris? You're nothing. She, she, She ignored him? Yep. She just turned around and walked the other way. She ignored him. He turned into fucking space dust. Nancy then climbs into Glenn's convertible with Linda and Rod, just as the cover comes over to show Kruger's sweater (laughs) pattern. That fucking, that car is awesome. (laughs) And then Marge is pulled through the front door window. The end. Yeah. Another practical effect that looks like fucking dog shit. March, the window looked awful. She yeah. turned into like a fucking blow-up doll and was pulled right. through the window. Um, I hated I hated the end. I thought the end was dog shit. Yeah, it's definitely one of those 80s horror movie just-in-case sequences. Well, here's the crazy part. I don't know if you guys know or not, but apparently there was three alternate endings. Yes, there were. That were mm-hmm. shot. And Wes Craven was of the mindset that he wanted to go with the what they consider the happy ending where they just drive off, everybody's alive, and it just cuts to the uh, to the schoolgirls, you know, doing the one-two Freddy song. Okay, wait, wait. With everybody alive, is that saying none of this ever happened? Yeah, like the whole thing was like a dream. Like her, fir- we're, we've been in her first dream this whole time? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. That's how I see it, because the way it would end it is she gets in the car, the top doesn't flip over or anything, the top's down. All four of the high schoolers are in the car, and the mom's waving as they drive off. And it cuts to the girls um, doing their little jump rope sequence. Hootie, do you know the alternate endings? You want to go over them? I only knew the first one that you went over. Is it the one I just talked about? Yeah. All right. Well, one of the endings, it happened the exact same way. And then right after, this is like considered the bad ending, I guess. Right afterward, it shows Freddie at the wheel of the car driving off um so i guess that right there the reason they didn't go with that one is it kind of says that nancy's dead and if nancy's dead there's no you know nightmare three um i'm just picturing like back to the future when doc brown comes back nancy there's a problem in the future we have to go now where we're going your kids your kids (laughs) it's not you it's your kids 
and then one of the endings the one where the kids drive off they're totally fine the top doesn't come down or anything um, however the mom gets it in the end she's pulled through the window and presumed dead and then the other alternate one was the uh, the happy ending which the studio overruled um, that's the one Wes originally wanted to go with but couldn't do that gotta have a little bit of juice left for the uh, sequels gotta have a convertible top and a blow up doll through window gotta have that Jason Voorhees popping out of the fucking lake scene exactly blame this on Friday the 13th and pancake steps don't forget the pancake steps so with that fellas as we close up A Nightmare on Elm Street what piece of memorabilia from this legendary film would you want to own I'm going to go with that portable television on Johnny's lap. I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way, and I'm going to say the original Freddy glove. Um, I think the gloves and shit go downhill from here. So if you're not picking the glove now, I think you're making a mistake. However, I do feel like I'm blowing my load quite a bit early. Because if I pick the glove now, what the fuck else am I going to pick in these next eight movies? Since Joey has taken the wind out of my sails, this is in fact the best glove of any of the films. And, quite honestly, probably the best makeup, but you can't really take the makeup. How do you fuck up the glove? Oh, you wait till the second one. The glove gets less and less um, practical looking. It looks more like a prop at a certain point than an actual, like, real world. This looks like something somebody would actually put together on fucking... Oh, exactly. Like the holes and shit in, like, the actual fabric and stuff like that. Yeah, it looks more and more like, okay, this is made yeah, you're, as a prop. If you ain't taking a glove now, you're fucking up. So in my research for this film, as you two can imagine, the fan reviews were quite fun to comb through. I did find two, however, that stuck out. The first one is from a man named Art Dunn. And he wrote, Acting, writing, and directing, and soundtrack all suck. This movie is really bad. Sorry, it sucks a big one. There are more holes in the script than Swiss cheese. One star. Fucking shit. Brought the hammer down, oh Art. And then to carry ourselves to the other end of the spectrum, this is by Mrs. Graham. Oh, Mrs. Graham. Freddy is my absolute fave scary movie. I have actually enjoyed watching the Nightmare on Elm Street movie since I was a little girl. Which is surprising because I'm a big scaredy cat. But I've always mm. loved the Nightmare on Elm Street films. She sounds sexy as fuck. Five stars. Why, thank you, Chris. So we close out the 2021 year and our first Nightmare on Elm Street. What did you two think of this legendary film? 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street gets a solid B from me. Um... As an introduction to Wes Craven's Nightmare series, it's unique and inventive, cementing itself as a uh, horror staple. And with Nightmare 1, we meet one of the faces of the Mount Rushmore of horror, Freddy Krueger. Robert England, England is great as Freddy. However, this isn't the welcome to prime time bitch Freddy we've come to know and love over the years. This is a much more monstrous, terrifying Freddy. There is some humor to be found, but it's dark in comparison to uh, later Nightmare movies, and only seems to exist for Freddy's own amusement as opposed to the audience's. The young actors are believable as high school students, and Nancy's transformation from tortured schoolgirl to final girl is a pleasure to watch. The score is great, and the lighting makes an already scary and atmospheric movie that much more menacing. The movie isn't perfect by any means. The practical, effect, practica, the practical effects are hit and miss with uh, the hits, the Tina death scene and Freddy coming through the wall, for example, being some of the most memorable in horror history, and the misses being pretty terrible themselves. Stretch Armstrong Freddy and Burnsuit Freddy look like shit, as well as the end scene where Marge is dragged through the window. It just looks bad. I'm surprised it actually made it into the final cut. Um... The second act of the movie is kind of dull as well, feeling pretty repetitive and slow. That aside, Nightmare 1 is a classic. It's not my favorite by far, but that doesn't change the fact that it's what I would consider an essential watch, if only to learn of Freddy's origins and to prepare yourself for Nightmare 3, 
Dream Warriors. We're the Dream Warriors. Don't want to dream no more. Dream Warriors. Damn, let's get it fucking going, boys. 2023. Maybe tonight you'll be gone. All right, let me pop in here since I'm sure Hootie's going to come all over his mic. Oh, boy, you don't have no idea. So for me, this is one of the definitive franchises of the genre, obviously. Easy to see why. It's a clever idea. Plenty of creepiness and style to spare. I think uh, Wes Craven and myself kind of have similar sensibilities with um, just the way he shot a lot of the stuff here. A lot of uh, good choices. Uh, This is a cut above, a definitive cut above Friday the 13th. But it's not quite Halloween for me, just on a personal level. Freddy is like super bizarre and disturbing in this one, which is kind of refreshing considering the creepy clownish figure he would be become eventually the one that i essentially grew up with so the mysteriousness and the scarcity of the actual monster make this uh, a unique entry and the rest of the franchise is pretty much like freddy centric i feel like he got less screen time here than almost any other character which was uh kind of like the jaws approach to this which was nice uh, there's also some of the best stunt work i've ever seen in any movie any horror movie sorry uh, the revolving room scene, that's an all-timer for me. All that said, Nancy was rough. And I don't have that same fear as I can do with some of the other horror icons. So It's a great horror movie. deserves its place as one of the great horror trailblazers that it is. I'm going to give this assignment an A-. Well, let me hop in after that horrible, horrible grade from your classroom. Mr. So Mr. Chris. F- fucking A, man. <sighs> so, it's no surprise to anybody. I absolutely love Freddy Krueger. And I am going to start off with my letter grade of an A. And this movie doesn't get an A plus strictly because I just cannot get over Heather Lankencamp. She is just awful. But anyway. Yeah. This is up there with Evil Dead 2 for me. Those two are like hand in hand. 1A uh, for my favorite horror movies of all time absolutely love this film it it introduced us to in my opinion the best villain in the horror world better than michael myers better than joseph Voorhees, because he talks Wes craven gave a voice to his villain which is a, is a big deal and it just he created the king of horror himself which is Wes craven and freddy krueger and i could go on and on and on but i don't want to talk about it too much because we have to talk about the rest of these movies in this series in the years to come so I'll save all of my love for the continuation next Christmas. But this Christmas, enjoy yourselves with the first A Nightmare on Elm Street, where it all began. And there it is. That is our nightmare before Christmas. All right, let's recap our guesses here. This was a four shits and giggles competition, but we did it anyway. So guessing the Rotten Tomato audience score, I went with an 88 Hootie a 96, and Joseph a 72. Actual audience right. score was an 84. It's Price is Right rules. There's no fucking Price is Right rules here, man. It's Drew Carey rules. And the critics did love it, so they were pretty damn close to 100%. That they were. Critics also like, critics also like Mama. Oh, shit. Here we go. Mama. Shots fired. Mama. Mic drop. We can't prop up the critics when they agree with us and shit on the one they don't, Hoodie. But if you boys remember correctly, we did uh, fudge up our last guesses. So we, we are doomed to spin the random wheel today. Spin it. The wheel has been spun. 1977 Suspiria. Never heard of this, fellas. It's like the darkness in the night, Disturbia. Oh, that's the wrong song. No, that's that's uh, that's a Shia LaBeouf movie. Oh shit! Suspiria. Yeah, this is like an Italian, uh, like one of those OG horror movies. Yeah, I think it's about like a witch coven or some shit. I've heard yeah. about it. Ooh. Yeah, it's very vague, but I have not seen it. It's supposed it's to be really a, good. It's a blind spot for me. So I think there's like a recent remake or something that came out in the last few years. Yeah, Amazon did one with uh, Dakota Johnson. The Fifty Shades of Grey. Man, that's that girl that shows her titties in Fifty Shades of Grey. How about that? Yeah, yeah. You know what else? You know what else she's in? 
social network. She sleeps with Justin Timberlake. Cabin in the Woods. Get him. Classic. Classic horror film. Get his, ass. Get his film. ass. Classic horror film. Chris Hemsworth. Oh, bitch. You don't oh, mess with Sigourney Weaver, Chris. Because Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Weaver messes back. Is she in the uh, movie? I can't wait. I can't wait to do Cabin in the Woods. Is she in that movie? Yes, yeah. she is. Obviously, I have no fucking for like five for a reason. So yeah, let's uh, let's hop on YouTube. Check out this trailer for Suspiria from 1977, foreign language film. So I know Hootie's gonna love it. Hootie's gonna fucking hate it. Oh god! My phone's already falling asleep. He's yawning during the trailer. Okay, let's go ahead and hit play. Well, that's in English. Oh fuck! Nailed it. You can run from Nightmare on Elm Street. This predates Nightmare on Elm Street, sir. What the hell? Damn, bitch. Like Why is she breaking all the glass? I'm digging the lighting already, I'll tell you that. What the fuck? Damn! Got him! Oh, suck that one, bitch! Jesus. Jesus. What? Than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria. By the first 92. Jesus. Yeah, I've never seen a trailer dude. reference the runtime in the fucking trailer. Yeah, that, that, was, was, that was actually a really good, good trailer. Damn, dude. I'm excited to see it. The trailer got me pretty hype. All right, boys. Trailer in the books. This shit look like fun. You want to throw a dartboard at these Rotten Tomatoes audience scores for Suspiria 1977. Uh, I'll pop this cherry. We'll say 75. Mm, damn. I'm going to say a 90. For an audience score from 77? Fuck, you're right. I didn't think about that. I'm going to stand by it. Stand by it. Fuck him. Fuck him. Considering it got a remake, it means it has to be at least good. I'm going 67. Uh, Give us a week longer than usual before you expect this in your usual feeds, but we will return. Thanks for listening. You can find us on damn near any podcast platform. Check out the socials. And all that business on the website, HorribleFilmSchool.com. Subscribe and follow. Spread that love. If you can, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to use my sign-off here to offer my support to women spending their nights hiding from men in Christmas sweaters. Tis the season for adult men coming down chimneys. So stay safe out there. As always, if you listen to this show, if you hear our beautiful voices, at least tell one person you know about the Horrible Film School show. In this holiday season, just get out there, enjoy the season. As you're wrapping gifts and you're getting tired, remember to keep a trusty coffee pot under your bed. Yeah. It's full of coffee for that occasion when you might need a pick-me-up. And with that, I'm out. Once again, thanks for the listen. We appreciate your time and attention. I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Whatever you celebrate, may it be full of joy and love. We'll see y'all after the winter break. Class dismissed. Everything, I bet you better agree with me. It's my show, Stooge.